Hi and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko, uh, the podcast where we talk with coffee professionals and now, and we're trying just to brighten up the day for people in lockdown as well as uh, giving some good information and adding value to people who love coffee. So if you're new, feel free to share this uh, podcast episode and uh, I'm looking forward to introduce you our new guest for today, uh, Ross Quayle. So uh, Ross is uh, an overall legend amongst the industry. So looking forward to having a chat with him live and uh, you can uh, take along and, uh, you know, muck around. So I'll send him an invite now. So yeah, looking forward to that and uh, big shout out to Captain Kirk is in the house. I uh, hope you're well, buddy. I hope things are good in uh, in St. Kilda. Tanti, Toshi, Roy Fernandez, Sarah, everyone here, big shout out. I'm happy, happy you're here. And uh, I hope uh, first and foremost that you're all safe and the man himself is here. So let's bring him on. Enjoying getting quailed, Kirk said. <laughs> Hey, uh-huh. man, how are you? Oh, I'm well. How are you doing? Good, mate. I was trying to put that in a landscape view. It was a bit easier for you. Um, how's things? I'm fantastic. How are you, man? How are you traveling? Really good. Really good. I'm, uh, I'm staying uh, fit and healthy during lockdown with some regular swimming and uh, just keep myself occupied and just make sure I stay in contact, contact with people any way I can, which is... Um, bit challenging sometimes, but, uh, you know, social media has come to the fore and helped us all out. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, interesting because we were talking about social media when we met up in, uh, at Ona. So, it's yeah, these are the good parts of social media. And uh, Captain Kirk is in the house and saying classic whale because I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> um, you two go, go a long time. But um, First and foremost, thank you for giving us your precious time because I know you're super busy and you're going to be jumping in a meeting uh, not, not, not too far um, yeah. for that meeting. Um, and I hope you and your family also are well. Absolutely. Look, um, uh, my children are safely doing homeschool. Um, I've got two daughters, 12 and 14, who pretty much can um, uh, manage themselves, which we're very thankful. And my wife is... Um, busy making masks and doing lots of other things to make sure people keep safe. So I know we're, we're in a fortunate position. So um, uh, it's a, life is good. And I have no complaints. I'm reminded of uh, everything good most, you know, pretty much every day. It's great to hear. And I think we often forget how grateful we should be for the things that we give for granted, whether it's a roof on our heads or, you know, water essentials so yeah we're we're on the lucky side of it 100 uh, i'm glad to hear that you find them and uh, uh, just for some context for us i mean mm-hmm. most most people know who you are and what you do and what you've been doing but how and why did you start this coffee journey of yours uh well um i guess it's because look i always had it in uh an affinity for hospitality I had my first job when I was 11, and I used to work as a, at a bottle boy in a, um, uh, in a milk bar down on the coast in Anglesey, where I grew up. So I would you know, always be seeing people on their holidays. I'd be carrying groceries to cars. I'd be doing all that sort of stuff. So 
I found that it was a, a great connection uh, to people. And then uh, when I did work experience at school in year 10, um, I worked at a reception center and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, and I guess it, it was those uh, experiences with people and then mixing work with talking to people and, and food and interacting that just seemed to resonate with me and, and talking came easily to me, funnily enough. Um, so I kind of fit it in. Yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think you're a great example um, of something that we touched base on the podcast a few times, which is coffee has so many multifacets. Like people think, well, I got to become a barista champion, that's it, or I got to be a roaster, I got to open a cafe. But there are so many other options, and you know, you fulfill some very big, important positions amongst top leading brands in the coffee industry. Well, thank you. Um, first of all, you know, a lot of my progression through the coffee industry was um, the result of my volunteering work in the early days, um, a little bit less so these days because professional life and family start to have an impact on your spare time. But I, I would you know, thoroughly recommend that people get involved with their local specialty coffee association. Because when I was a, a, a younger person starting, you know, coffee roasting and doing the journey, you're in a shop and there was no network in the, you know, in the late nineties, you either knew somebody or you didn't. There wasn't a social media aspect. I, you know, I did, I'm pretty sure I didn't even have a mobile phone back then. Um, and, and I worked six days a week. So my work was my social life and um, as well to a, to a greater extent. And so for me, volunteering in the association uh, laid the foundations for the, for the, I guess, the network and the connections with people who were starting their coffee journeys too. And, you know, the, those people are still in the industry, a lot of them, and they've risen through the ranks as well and, and done wonderful things. So realistically, I'm, I'm very much a product of my environment. Um, it's just that with um, coffee, I think it's really important to choose to be a part of the environment. And that's what dictates the results at the end. It, it isn't something where you can just be uh, a passenger with coffee. Things move too quickly uh, and uh, it's fairly noisy also. So you've got you've to have an active part in your association. That's so true. And I think you touched base on something important, which it was clear to you about your strengths, for instance, you said, uh, you know, the, the gift of talking and be able to connect with people, it's something that you knew from, from early days that was one of your strengths. And I think that combining those strengths to find, to find your, you know, your spot within the industry is also quite important. I mean, not everyone can stay 12 hours in front of a roaster. Some people would go crazy, but the same person <laughs> who wouldn't go crazy would go crazy about talking 12 hours in front of people or public speaking and so and, and so on. So. I think often coffee is not seen as a career, per se. But what would you say to the people who are actually passionate about coffee, but they're stuck on what's more considered a good job or a good you know, university with a better path? Where, meanwhile, I think that coffee has a lot to give to people. Well, if you believe half of what you read and even less of what you hear, you'll be better off straight away. And if you really want to do it, um, any person who's successful within their field will tell you, go and find out, go fail, go try and fail fast, 
do all of those cliche statements. It's, it's pretty easy to recognize them and say them and let them go, but you've got to go and do it. All right. So you've got to know that. So for instance, um, I'll get, I'll give you a personal example. I, I worked in a job for seven years in coffee roasting. Um, and it was my, one of my early days and it was a fantastic job. But at one point I looked back after that period of employment, I thought, wait a second. I, I probably haven't learned anything for the last three to four years. Now I'm comfortable and my employer's great and I enjoy everything, but I don't know anything more than what I did three years ago. And I went to university and I did all that sort of stuff. So I've got the brain capacity to take on more, but I'm just, I'm just going with the flow. And so it was a reason for me to leave that job because I felt like, well, I'm, where am I going? What's, what, what's pushing me? What's guiding me? And I don't want to tread water as much as that's comfortable because I'm thinking, well, in 10 years, where am I going to be? I could have a plan. So um, when I left that job, I, I actually went and worked for another coffee roaster and um, I took a pay cut and it was a little bit harder and um, I, I didn't particularly enjoy having less money, but immediately I was challenged. And, and I really enjoyed that sensation because... Uh, when you have a sense of engagement and and uh, and something that starts to push you and make you learn and make you explore things, then you start to grow. Um, so I think uh, the big part of all of this is we have to self-diagnose when we're in a, a situation that we're not um, progressing ourselves. Now that doesn't mean that I'm telling people to go out and quit their jobs. What I tell, what I would say to people is. Go, go, and buy a t go and buy a book and read it on a subject matter that you're interested in. Go and ask somebody questions about what they do, not about what you do, but about what they do and, and learn from some of those people's experiences. And you'll, you'll remember at that point why you're doing the things you do. You'll remember why you're liking things, but again, and, and maybe why you don't. Um, but if you don't do that, it's just so easy just to float along. Yeah. Um, and I'm always attracted to people as well that, you know, challenge all of those theories. I'd be really fortunate to work with um, really intelligent people um, that have pushed me further, you know, and, and I've tried to surround myself with people like that too uh, because it has an influence. Like I said, you're a product of your environment. So if you want your environment to be comfortable, you'll be comfortable, but you won't be going anywhere. Correct. And you become so conditioned and stagnant within that, environment that you build for yourself and i think you're right and i think i think in this day and age probably the top three enemies of people is impatience because we live in such a fast-paced environment itself you know this is wasn't possible only 10 years ago you know mm. if we go back we have to wait six months for the pigeon and so forth so we're yeah. so used to get everything right here right now in the western countries so i think that people you know, they might start a side hustle or a side project and they want it now to work now, to work within the week. Yeah. And, 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 and often they base their success on a monetary scale rather than, well, hang on a minute. As long as you're supporting yourself, of course, you don't need to start, like you said, you know, we're not telling people to go and quit their jobs, but even starting from, you know, classic example could be a banker and he loves baking, you know, let's just go polarizing here. Bake, 
Saturday, Sundays are those market, you know, when they'll be able to be open again. Like, I think the, the trial and error within the passion will actually lend you where you want to end up if you're patient enough. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, and it is a little bit of a melting pot too. There is no, like you said, there's no school for coffee, all right? So you, you can have people, you know, I've watched people at cup tasting competitions turn up who are just um, interested members of the general public get everything right. And there's a coffee professional who maybe got five out of six or four out of six. And so the, the, there's skills out there that we don't know that people have. There are there are, I guess, improvements that we can take from other industries. We've seen that happen more so. I mean, a great example of that is the um, carbonic maceration stuff from on a coffee and, and Sasha bringing that and looking, well, there's wine industry. How can I involve that in there? It's a very mature industry with a lot of study behind it. So thankfully, you know, um, coffee's starting to progress. You've got wonderful people, you know, your, um, your minds uh, such as Christopher Hendon, um, you know, Matt Perg has been uh, fantastic, uh, Maxwell Kalana Dashwood, uh, and just to name a few, these guys that go out there and, and research and learn and do, I mean, uh, that's what's really, really important. I mean, Socratic conv- uh, coffee, I mean, what Joe does up there um, is provocative, but he is passionate about education, about testing and in learning. So I love that those people are out there and they're the people that are helping the rest of us learn. And what, what we've got to realise is we've got a responsibility to contribute to our industry. And so that, that, that's the really important part. I see Ben Morrow just joined. And there, there's another guy that just will never follow what other people are saying until he knows it's true himself. As a I'm, guy actually that, drinking, um, I'm actually drinking one of his coffees at the moment, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, and, and, and Ben was a wonderful crossover. I mean, if people don't know... I mean, obviously, he won Coffee Masters in New York and in London, and I still marvel at that achievement. To be able to do that across two continents, it's a very broad-ranging competition, and he brought a knowledge of alcohol connected with coffee, connected with flavours. You know, a lot of people viewed him as a a really talented latte artist, but little did they know that he was in the background pushing the boundaries in a whole bunch of different areas. And that's what we need. We need to celebrate more people like that. So I guess, yeah, that's... That's the best thing about our industry at times. You can look back in that we have a young enough coffee industry that you can look back far enough in your own working time if you've been in there for 10 years and really see the progression that's been there. And yeah, coffee's been around since the you know 1950s or so in Australia, but it really only accelerated around year 2000 where it started to really take off. Yeah, and I think the celebration of people is so important because we give coffee for granted and you know it's it's in the cup and it's delicious but we forget there's a lot of people within that chain that needs a bit of recognition and needs a bit of uh, clout because it's you know i think which is fine but i think as an industry we put so much focus in the cup and then we kind of forgot about the people and by the chain i also mean the end consumer you know yeah. john yeah. along with too and i think uh, I can safely say that coffee is one of the industry where people matter the most. Like it's so people centered because it is hospitality. You know, it's so cultural. It's, you know, we think about, you know, images of, I don't know, Turkey, you know, Turkish coffee, uh, whether it's a vodka pot in Italy or something else. And it's all about the people. Like we drink coffee by ourselves, but it's such a ritual where people is the celebration. 
It, it is, and it's and it's it, it's connected to people, and it's in people. I mean, you you drink it, you put it in you. You don't do that with every product, right? And you care about it, and it gives you a sensation. All right, I can eat an apple, and I can really enjoy the apple, but I don't necessarily feel a a stimulant effect. People say, you know, you you'll feel good if you eat some healthy food. You know what? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I can tell you, every time I drink coffee, I feel something. And I really enjoy it. And that's that thing that, I mean, it's infectious. I mean, when you see people, uh, another recent example, Sub-Zero have set up another pop-up. Those boys have uh, come out again and they're they're working in the front of my co-working office. And I will never get tired of seeing somebody who's who's a coffee drinker Drink a Sub-Zero made coffee for the first time. You could see someone go, righto, this coffee's going to cost me 6 or $9 or something like that. And then you can see them mentally preparing themselves for the coffee. And then they drink it and you go and you watch their faces and they go, what was that? You know? <laughs> and they might have had a, again, they, 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 they might have a coffee that's, uh, you know, their Iceman blend or, or, or the raspberry candy, I think, that Honor's using or whatever the case may be, everything is a baller. And you just have people having these moments where you can see what they're going through physically and mentally. And I can identify that myself with that because I know what it's like the first time I had it. In fact, I enjoy their experiences more because... Most of the best coffees I had in my early parts of my life were in coffee competitions when I was doing WBC judging. And you're not allowed to react. I mean, sometimes you're there and the, the, you know, the hair on the back of your neck standing up because you just had the most amazing coffee you've ever drunk. And you think to yourself, oh, my God. And the only person you can tell is the piece of paper in front of you. Um, yeah. So to watch it with other people, oh, it's the best. I, as it's I said, the best. I never get tired of it. Which which brings it to the experience, isn't it? Because I think experience. I think it's all, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. It's like yeah. experience, people, coffee, and storytelling. It's like you yeah. know, it's about gathering of people getting together. And I think going back to the apples, if ten people ate the same apple, yeah, they'll have a good time. But I think yeah. drinking coffee. You know, I remember when me and my family would gather at the center of the field because when we're picking up the plums of, 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 of my, my grandpa's farm. You know, it was 3 p.m. It was coffee in a thermos. Horrible. But it was the moment, the people, the yeah. storytelling. Have you heard the neighbor? Have you heard the uncle? And I think coffee does that, aside from also the element. And I think Sub-Zero is a great example because I, 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 I've drunk some of those coffees when they popped up at Abacus. And, I'm, you know, they, they are pushing the boundaries as well, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and look, they're they're striking out um, after a lot of good work that the rest of the industry has done, um, and they're taking it to another level. So, you know, all, all that's why these combined experiences are so special, and it's why Melbourne, you know, is largely seen as um, one of the best places to go for coffee in the world. It's why, unfortunately, we didn't get the WBC here again because of COVID nineteen, but it's why the why it's going to be, you know, here twice. Because people love coming to this city and drinking coffee. And, and it's not like it's all the same good. There's different good. You know, you can, everyone will have their preferences. You know, if you, you know, one side of the city, you, you've got Market Lane doing things for many years um, with, a, with a very 
um, distinct style of coffee making. You've got St. Ali doing stuff, doing it their way, you know, the, to a Padre, to an Honor, to all these other roasters out there. And the list, you know, continues. Um, and, and the people have evolved that people can just sort of, you're spoiled for choice. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's not like if you're a sneaker freak, right? You can go to, you can go to 200 stores in the same city. There's two or maybe three. But for coffee people, we're just so lucky um, that, that this city's embraced it and it's just accelerated. Yeah, and, and there's a reason why there's coffee tours. I, I, yeah. we, to digest that, right, there's literally businesses who do coffee tours. And I've seen it because once I was at a shoot at a vacation coffee in the city and, the, yeah. and this whole bunch of people came and asked, uh, who was it, Jimmy, I think. I was like, what, what's happened? It's like, oh, it's, you know, what we want on the stops of the coffee tours and just within the CBD, there's so many and you've named a few big cats in the game. And in terms of pushing the boundaries, I also think that, you know, these, these people also are behind the scenes contributing to the industry and what they do, pushing the boundaries. And, and it's amazing because I think it's not just the cup, it's the design of the shops. We see amazing design. The cups, the bags, the merch. I mean, I think Senali is a great example. They have the studio. You know, it's it's uh, it's more than just a cup of coffee. And I think people are starting to catch on it. Yeah, that's right. And and at the same th time, people are really trying to curate that experience, but they're trying to make it a very fast experience where it needs to be. And that's a really good point in in the, the evolution of um, coffee in Melbourne. There was a stage where you'd sit and drink and it was that real archetypal, have a cup of coffee, sit there for an hour, read a book. And that alienated some people because they're like, well, I get in and I have my coffee. And they're a bit more on that Italian approach where it's sort of sip and stand or stand and sip and then go. And then some people, you know, initially um, really uh, reacted badly to specialty coffee because it was more, it was a little bit more theater in there. People were trying to engage in it and it was going to take a, a little while. Whereas people just say, give me my coffee and let me get out of here. And then, and then Melbourne's really adjusted to that. And I think if you travel, you'll notice one of the, the, the really amazing things about coffee is that you can have so much in an experience. Like it is the cups, it's the store design, there's, there's equipment, there's lighting, you know, the rest of it. But you can get a cup of coffee with amazing latte art and, a, you know, really, you know, like a, a well-made cup of coffee in such a short period of time. Like people are hustling hard to get you what you want quickly and that's a, 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 I guess a, it's an aspect to Melbourne coffee that I think people really um, forget I mean it's in Sydney too take nothing away and it's in the other capital cities but it happens so much um, uh, and so quickly in Melbourne that it, it really broadened it, the, the audience of coffee you know yeah. um, and then, you, then you'll see the advent of all you know drinking chocolates to all the other alternatives within the coffee space that were given as much um, gravitas as the coffee was. You know, you've got guys like Mork um, that did an amazing things for drinking chocolate. It wasn't just a Cadbury drinking chocolate off to the side. No, they chose to deep dive and that added to a coffee experience. That meant yeah. that more people came in the door and then you've got guys like um, uh, Kura doing tea experiences. I mean, the early days with uh, Larson and Thompson. I mean, David Thompson's an incredible guy that really tried to push the envelope and did with tea and, and make it go beyond just the CTC cut teas and, 
uh, strong and black and then get the hell out of here. And so it, it's really been nice to see those other products in that space as well, all happening really quickly, but with a lot of in serious intention. Yeah, and, and I think something that you just said, you know, it's such a, you know, they prepare a drink in such a short period of time and it's so underestimated, I think, that process because, you know, people would pay $25 for a cocktail and watch and make it and it takes, give and take, same or long, longer or less time depending on where you go. But I think I'm, I like what uh, Daniel Hobart uh, told me on um, the last podcast is the World uh, Cup Tasting Champion 2019. He said, in his opinion, the fourth wave is actually going to be uh, people brewing at home because now more and more people are brewing more and more at home. Even myself, I used to just support my local shops. And I th I'm hoping uh, that that is going to make people appreciate more once we're out of the lockdown in a few months' time the guy who makes your coffee because you've That's been right. making it out. And I'm going to say something controversial here. We've got pod coffee operators to thank for that because there are people out there that wouldn't drink coffee unless it was for pod coffee being so accessible. But it gets those people on a pathway, right? It's the gateway drug to getting into the serious business of making coffee at home. And then people go, well, I've had, I love my coffee and I have one out and then it's kind of better and it's different and, how do, I, how do I get closer to that cafe experience at home? And then you've got a, a dearth of people out there that can train you, that can give you the equipment. And people are saying, hang on, I could, I, I'm willing to invest money in this. You know, I'm, I'm buying Le Creuset stuff for my kitchen. I've got a Vitamix or I've, you know, I've got a, um, uh, I forget what those, uh, the, 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 those other pieces of cooking equipment that are super expensive the ones that cook and chop and do everything else like that. I forget what they're called, but people are willing to do that. And now that there's an accessibility um, for that in coffee, it's growing, right? Yeah. And, and there's a wonderful, and I'm not going to use the word P-I-V-O-T, uh, right? Because I don't, I'm trying to steer away from that word at the moment because I think it's overused. But this COVID-19 situation for all its ills is presenting wonderful opportunity to the coffee community to re-engage to, to look at things differently and, and to force some innovation to come out. Um, and I liked seeing the initial days where everybody started being more instructional. They'd start, they started breaking down how to make coffee instead of telling people that they had a coffee on Instagram. And I think, and I think people really appreciated that. People could spend time and go, okay, IGTV, I'm going to spend a minute. And I saw that person make uh, a Devon long pour or a, uh, or, a, you know, they've done a, a, something else with their AeroPress or what have you, and they explained it, and, and it's happening. There's a growth in that home market, and I, I think it's fantastic. It means there's yeah. going to be another big push with specialty coffee in the home. I don't know a roaster with a half-decent website that hasn't gone, wow, I didn't do anything, and my sales have increased. Uh, but personal example, a customer, well, a client that I... That I work with, and their online sales went up a thousand percent. That's a, that, that's a ridiculous number. Um, I mean, the, the side joke inside that story is that I was, you know, me being me, I was like, okay, that's great. How we do? How do we maintain that? I don't want to go yeah. back to work. So that, and that's I think the job that we need to do is to keep that momentum as far as home as well, because. 
ultimately there's going to be more and more people brewing at home and, and he starts with conversations easily right yeah. uh, you know i have a couple of good friends of mine and uh, i think one of them is watching and once i went to one of his plays and we're drinking coffee and and it was okay um, and then we came home and i made a very simple aeropress with a very different type of coffee roasted and he was like blown away and it wasn't a sub-zero coffee and that starts a conversation you know yeah so I think it starts from there. But Ross, I know you're tied for time, so I'll yeah. ask you the out-of-the-box question, which I ask everybody at Meet Show. If you could, um, who would you like to have dinner with? And it can be anyone, and it doesn't have to be coffee. Oh, who would I have dinner with? Oh, there's, a, there's a wealth of people out there, I suppose. The hardest thing is that there's only one. Look, you know, I'd have to say some of the people... I'd say Sunalini Menon. I met her a long time ago. She was such a wonderful person. Uh, she's the probably one of the foremost females in the coffee industry, certainly from the early days. And I first met her at SCAA in Long Beach in some, uh, some cupping for defects classes. And she's the quality control person for Illy Coffee. I just thought she was one of the warmest, most intelligent, and uh, I guess easily, uh, I guess, uh, approached people in coffee that I met. And in, in short spaces of time, I just thought she was a brilliant individual and it only just reaffirmed that I was doing the right thing. So um, uh, it, it'd have to be her. I mean, it's, that I'd say that to, you know, uh, to the detriment of all these other people I could have dinner with. But for a coffee person, I, you know, she's, she's a fantastic coffee professional. Thank you. Um, and... Uh... And I think we go back to that people element, I think. Yeah. It's so easy to find people that inspire us and people who are really making a difference, but it doesn't matter where they work, what they do. And it's just, it's just incredible. So I think the other element about social media that, you know, it's the positive or can be a positive is that nowadays it's actually quite easy to, to reach people. doesn't mean that yeah. you get a guaranteed answer, but, you can connect, you can network, you can talk. Um, it was easy for me to reach some people that I thought I would never be able to reach because they are low-key, I don't know, like Mark Dundon. You know, I was like, yeah. you know, these guys are undetectable. And through LinkedIn, I managed to get him on the, on the interview. So it was, it was amazing to see how, you know, like I used to say when I was more on the road for working for Coffee Roaster, you know, people were like, oh, your job must be hard. I'm like, not really, because OSPO people, if they're nasty, they're in the wrong business. So 99% of people usually are half-decent people because they're in the yeah. people business. So it's something that we, we underestimate. Speaking of hospitality, it's still far from perfect. If yeah. you could change one thing, what would it be? We've got to bring back the empathy. Mm -mm. We've got to be thinking about um, people's experiences because right mm -hmm. now we're all hurting. Prior to this, it was coffee was starting to be self-reflective and, and, and it was, it was losing connection with the customer. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan of old school hospitality and, and it, and it goes back to the simple fact that you, you touched on hospitality needs to be a career, right? And, and it, for us to have a, a, to be truly accepted as a, you know, coffee being a career for people being a barista we need to understand what it's like for someone to drink coffee and what it's like for somebody to make it, um, grow it, 
roast it and all the rest and all the rest of those factors and stop paraphrasing the brilliant efforts that people are making out there. That's the key, I think. We need to look deeper into a lot of it. And, and to me, the word empathy just keeps coming back up. I love it. I, I can't top that up. I think empathy and connection with people is so important. And I think you're right. I'm a big fan of old school. And it's not old school. It's, it should be, again, a trend. You know, it's like we can literally make someone's day within five to ten minutes. Right. Hey, Ross, how was your daughter's birthday party on the weekend? Are you going to get your long black on the single yeah. of today? Done. And you're like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to this person. And your day's made. Your name was remembered. Your drink was remembered. And elements of your life were remembered, which you, I think it's so essential in hospitality. It's nice. They're little breaks. They're the times in between, sometimes stressful or other activities where people are stopping to have a cup of coffee, like reinforce a value in it, um, you know, and uh, give people a sense of value in what it is that we're doing. Reinforce it. Because, um, you know, I, 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 one part of me gets a little bit sad that uh, there might be dollar coffees out there dominating a cafe, which I think is really great. But, but, on the other hand, we need to make sure, um, uh, yeah, that, um, that you make that experience special, that you back it up in other ways. And someone's just said, talk to the customer like you're the only person they talk to for a week. That's exactly yep. it. Yep. Someone would say to me, what's it like doing sales in coffee? And I go, it's like dating. Make the other person <laughs> feel special, all right? You shouldn't think about it as being some sort of cringeworthy activity. You're there to help. You're there to make a connection. And enjoy it. So, I mean, I think, you know, they're bits that we can be proud of and that we can hang our hats on, that we left lasting experiences with people. That, that's and what in value, do. yeah. And adding value to their overall experience, yeah. You go to any premium level brand, I mean, people are automating it in websites now. They remember your order. They suggest things that, that you know, we, we pay people big amounts of money to do things we can do ourselves because we don't want to do them. But then we get in real life and we just continue to choose not to do them. That's, and, that's the bit that we're missing. And to, to, to spin it in a different way, because obviously, you know, I mean, to give contents you can share where, where you're working and what you do. Let's go on to the obvious, which is machinery. But I think machinery and technology has really been demonized by actually seeing a very different way. I think that hmm. optimization will allow baristas to have more time and an easier access to connecting with people. That's because right. that's, what I, that's what I feel. No, I, I agree too. You're, you're either helping or you're hindering. Um, and, and because the experience remains, you know, a, the constant. So, um, like for instance, now I, I, I work as the sales director for South Asia for Hemro. Now, Hemro has the Malconig, Ditting, and Fim and Hay Cafe brands. Um, it, it's a mandate of Hemro to continue to look to innovate so that we don't have frustrated baristas using grinders behind um, the counter that, that can't give people what they want, which takes their attention off the customer. We're responsible for that too. Now, we're not going to be perfect all the time, but you have to be forcefully trying to innovate. And you've got to come back to that word empathy too, where 
what's it going to be like to use this? I mean, formerly too, I, I was working previously with Slayer. There's a great example of uh, a, a company that put a lot of focus on the UI aspect of their products. Um, and, uh, and again, nobody's perfect, but what, what I'd say is Jason Profontaine at Slayer had a very clear vision that people should be able to walk up and begin using that machine, right, and the interface to be something that's intuitive. Why? Because why do you need to stand on one foot, you know, close one eye, uh, press this button and that button to get into the mode to do the thing that you want to do? How about we just make it easy? And, and so the more, you know, this, this wonderful things happens that people stay in the coffee industry. You know, I started out as a, as a barista, then was a roaster and was fortunate to be a business owner. I've now moved into equipment and being part of it. It means we, the, the DNA and the, in the, the, the knowledge of the industry stays in the industry. It doesn't drain out to another area. We then share that, that knowledge back with the companies that service our community, the coffee industry, and we help to improve ourselves. You know, the drain on the hospitality that comes when people have bad experiences, get paid poorly or otherwise, and then leave the industry and go somewhere else, we suffer. Um, so we really need to, you know, as I said, pull together as a coffee industry and know where we can make some great wins. So I, I have thoroughly enjoyed working in equipment because it's given me the chance to, to share the experiences that I've got from other people with a company that'll listen. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I think intuition and innovation are such two strong pillars of the most successful companies in the world. I mean, not long ago, Apple was, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but they were testing the very first iPhones on very young children because they wanted to make it easy for them to, to intuitive on where to go and how to navigate through a phone, which is crazy if you think about it. And I think innovation is a crucial, crucial aspect because who predicted what, what's happening, right? Okay, some people did, you know, the conspiracy people. Whoever did, someone predicted, but very little shop owners, cafe already for, uh, for it, right? So yeah. I, I think innovation is important and sometimes hospitality businesses get stuck on I've been doing this for 15 years. It's been working. Why should I change it? Well, because some things change amongst not yeah. just pandemics, but I think it's an extreme example of the pandemic. Also, I mean, you've got to look at things like your square meter rate that you, that you rent a, uh, your shop in, you know. You've got to sit there and you've got to go, well, what are my occupancy costs? What are my labor costs and what are my food costs, right? And unfortunately, that's unromantic. It can be really boring, but you know what? that allows you to have the freedom to make decisions on what you offer your customers. If you have no idea about those sorts of elements, you're not empowered to run your business, which means ultimately it'll lead to compromises in your business. And I, I'd say, look, I, I, I learned so much from working alongside people that were financially responsible in businesses that made things possible. Sometimes it was elements of delayed gratification I mean, my time with St. Ali taught me that even though we wanted to grow and we were super aggressive about doing it, we couldn't do it sometimes because we needed to have the cash flow to do it. So it forced us then to look at business systems. How do we improve our cash flow so that we can then, you know, do this crazy thing and buy a $150,000 container of coffee that won't arrive here for three months and then, then, then trying to sell it once it gets here 
right, um, to a market that doesn't really know about coffee that's, you know, from Costa Rica that's this, that or the other. I mean, that's – you have to be responsible to do that. So they're the real elements that we've got to marry in all of this. Um, so when people just say that that's the operation, that they – Sometimes they commoditize coffee in that sense and they take away the importance of it. And Melbourne's not a city where you can do that. I don't think Sydney's a city you can do it. In fact, most capital cities in Australia, even regional towns, you can't commoditize the coffee anymore because people know too much about it and they've had experiences and they travel, right? And, uh, and it, it, as I said, if you want to do it, it's at your peril. And the romantic, like you say, romanticizing it is so... You know, it resonates so well because I met a lot of people, unfortunately, who thought that opening a cafe was just cute and nice to be able to say, come down to my joint to have coffee. And, and it's true, which, look, you know, I also think that that has made the industry pop even further in a way, even though it has created some crashes and some instability and some price issues however the buzz is, is also thanks to these people so i think there's also there's always a bit of a positive side of things but look i i know that you have quite a time thing that i don't want to hold you to the last minute but before before i let you go Russ, first and foremost thank you for popping by um super cool and i think we should do this again down the track maybe in a couple of months maybe uh in a different setting where Maybe we can do it in the same room. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll leave you with two questions because the, the final questions, and I don't want Instagram to chop it up uh, before the time needed to be. A, what would you like to see in the future of coffee and what's your coffee mission within and what's next uh, on your planet? Uh, so what would I see, like to see next in coffee? Uh, look, I'd, I'd love to see the transformation of home espresso um, to really ignite home consumers to follow it with the same passion as the rest of the coffee professional. I think that'll fuel the industry as such that we could really start creating schools, colleges, education programs. That's probably one element. Um, and your second question was, what's next in the pipeline for me? Uh, look, for me, I think it's really important to have a very outward view of uh of hospitality and coffee and so for me it's it's a considered process of exposing myself to a world of coffee and making sure that i understand it how it operates globally not to be insular in the way that i approach it so having some management experience uh at at, at a higher level with someone like hemro gives me exposure to you know china germany switzerland italy and how a, a truly global business works i want to i want to grow from that experience to be able to come back and hopefully one day be part of um you know delivering more of that information and that knowledge and that the benefits of having that look back to the, the local community that helped shape me along the way that's that's the plan i love it and i think there is so as much as we need people like the big guns that you named, the scientists mm. and the roasters, I think there's also a need of more people like yourself, the connectors, the people, people, the true, yeah. the, because, the, because there is a requirement, because then the excitement goes ahead and companies grow thanks to people like yourself and thanks to your skills. 
and by companies growing, the industries just follow and tag along. And I mean, you also do a, a whole bunch of other amazing things. I mean, I've heard you emceeing plenty of times at mice and other competitions. So, and yeah. you know, and speaking of which, uh, how many days does it take you to recover voice wise when you do those emceeing gigs? Oh, usually I'm pretty good. I, I, to be honest with you, I, it's those that know me well enough know that I never really stop talking. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a muscle that I uh, I cultivate on a daily basis. But occasionally, uh, I've had some sessions where it might take me twelve to fourteen hours of of going on a uh, uh, reduced vocal capacity. Um, but to be honest, you know what? It, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love it. I love it. It still gets me up every day. I get so excited watching other people have their moments. Uh, it's just the best thing ever. You know, it's, it's a, for me, it's like an extension of family. Um, and, and I so enjoy seeing people doing things and being able to be a part of it and sometimes explain it so somebody who's never seen it gets it. Oh, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. So I think, uh, I think coffee I'll do it as long as I can. Sorry? I'll do it as long as I can. Yeah, oh, I, I know you will. I think coffee ultimately is, uh, globally speaking, at scale, like a, a, a shared adopted child, you know, because we see the child growing with from, yeah. from our end. And, you know, like, it's like, I'm sure you've seen plenty of baristas and plenty of roasters going and doing their own businesses, like the Sub-Zero, like Kirk, for instance, or Todd, and, and, and other people that, You've seen literally growing, not just in age, but within the space. Like, like, so I think it's, and coffee is the, you know, what, what is it? The, the common denominator. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and as I said, it, I just sort of, you got to pitch yourself sometimes. If you get to go around, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll oversimplify it for a little bit, but for a, lot of the, for a lot of what I've done, I've traveled the world, I've got to do it over drinking cups of coffee with people I like hanging out with. That is entirely fortunate. And so that's the reason why we're going to keep this all going because, come on, if that's not the best job in the world, what is You can't beat it. No, that's you right. can't. You can't. <laughs> so let's, sometimes let's my more people. Used, yeah, sometimes my mates used to ask me, what, what do you do? And like, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I visit 10 to 12 shops, coffee shops a day in different areas because I had the entire state of Victoria. I was lucky enough instead of just one area. And they were like, and what do you do? I drink coffee and talk to beautiful coffee shop owners or managers or baristas and drive around and I'm getting paid yeah. to do that. So not for everyone, but they couldn't quite put it in perspective. I think, yeah, we're extremely lucky, extremely fortunate, and we need to just keep doing what we're doing. And uh, hopefully we'll see, you know, more and more uh, happy days in the coffee uh, from, from, you know, from farm to cup to people. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, no, you need to go. Ross, thank you again for popping by. I'd love to talk hey. to you again, again, maybe in a stage where you go uh, a little bit more time and uh, maybe in a month or two and see where you're at. And uh, I'd love to have you on for sure. It'd be my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Mirko. And uh, uh, anybody else, if you, if you ever need me, just reach out um, because I, know, I owe the industry a lot. So uh, if you find me wherever you are, Look, I'll do my very best to help. And, uh, and I know that uh, the people that you have in your podcast are very much the same people. So um, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, mate. And uh, good luck with, with, with the rest of your evening and uh, stay safe out there. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.
that you have it, guys. Uh, uh, beautiful episodes uh, with Ross Quayle. I think Ross had such amazing insights, uh, such an amazing career, uh, great charisma, uh, and uh, just just a good a good person, right? And uh, I think that often we we just confuse coffee as, and I've spoke about it in the previous podcast episode. Whatever your passion is, coffee, food, uh, cups, diamonds, laptops, and you want to make that your journey because it's your purpose. It's like soccer is a great example. It, it doesn't. You don't need to become the next Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi. You can become a journalist, a commentator, a scout, a, a, a club manager. You can become an MC. You could become. Um, a blogger. You have so many roles within every industry, and Ross is one of those person, and uh, it's just incredible the amount of knowledge that he had to share. And uh, I really appreciate him for popping by. But thank you to all of you. A big shout out to all of you guys who are still here and listening to the end of this podcast. Um, New York Coffee Festival, the Arizon Coffee Roasters, Uktash, Glenon. Thank you for your insights. Insightful comments, and yeah, look, we, we keep pushing them. I think today was episode fifty-seven. If you want to check out, if you're new, you want to check out our previous episodes. We had a lot of other amazing coffee professionals that tuned in in the past few months. So give them a, sh- a check. Uh, we also got this in a podcast or YouTube form. Uh, it's called Coffee with Mirko. So please check it out. And if you liked it, feel free to take a screenshot. Share it on your story, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, whatever platform helps with you. Um, um, and we'll love to grow this and coming. And tomorrow is a special episode. We're going to do a virtual coffee farm tour live from Indonesia uh, with Mikael Jassin, the 2019 Indonesian barista champion and as well top six in the world. So it's going to be very different episodes. I'm not sure if it's been done before. Um, I'd love to look some data. I think it's the first ever episode that's going to have just a live virtual coffee farm tour in this way and this format. So tune in. It's going to be in Indonesia, uh, 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Tanti, great talk, but made me miss Melbourne even more. Tanti, Melbourne misses you too. Hassan saying V60 is better. I agree, V60 is delicious, but... Aeropress 2 and Mockapot and many other things and then uh, Os Consult, good to see you my brother, always good to see you and uh, I'm good Jerry Ald, uh, ask, thanks for asking we just finished an amazing episode with Ross Quell, if you just tuned in you'll be able to re-listen to it like all our podcast episodes um, one last time, Tanti Jerry Aldi, Ost Andre, Riggers, the grumpy barista, uh-huh I know you. I know you, the Grumpy Barista. I'm pretty sure I know who you are. Artisan Coffee Roasters, Hassan and Noahid. A uh, big shout out. Uh, thank you for uh, for being here. Hope you're safe. Hope you're well. Keep yourself caffeinated. Keep expressing. Keep exploring. Keep doing what you're doing. And we'll, we'll see you tomorrow with a virtual uh with a virtual coffee farm tour. Sorry, someone tried to call me. In the midst of me closing this off. But until then, be safe, take it easy, and I love you all. Cheers.